Uh, let's go over now and say hello to my guest standing by, Dr. Bruce Lipton. He is internationally known as an authority on the emerging biology and the cell activity on the interface between science and spirituality. And he was a researcher, professor at Stanford University School of Medicine, and among his discoveries there was a mechanism in cells that function like a brain and the founding of a field of cellular biology known as epigenetics. He's now recognized as the leading voice in the new biology of body-mind medicine. His book, The Biology of Belief, was a landmark in uniting mind, body, and cellular science with spirituality. And his new book is Spontaneous Evolution. And we're happy to have him with us today on our Conversations with Remarkable Minds. Nice to have you with us today. Gary, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity, and thanks for having such a wonderful audience of cultural creatives that are going to help us in that evolution you've been talking about. Well, I believe that I believe that it's gotten so bad that it's good. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I don't say good in any condescending way to those who are suffering, but until such time in our society, at least until such time that we have a major crisis, we don't get anyone's attention. I would have hoped that a person would, you know, it's like the person that's morbidly obese, smokes and drinks, eats hamburgers, hot dogs, and says, what me worry until they have a stroke. And suddenly, my God, why didn't you tell me something was wrong? And I, I'm going to ask, did you care? Would you have stopped? And the answer is in all likelihood, no. I think we might begin with you addressing paradoxical situation. By all accounts, at least, well, not by all, by my own feeling, our Western civilization is in a gross state of decline. Our major institutions have failed us. Corporatization of just about every aspect of our lives, like a matrix, defines the belief system that influences so many citizens, and these are fundamentally based on greed, influence, and power. Left and right, by the way. And I think we make a big mistake when we think the Democrats are going to save the average person and the uh, Republicans are going to defend uh, the working person. Society and power structures never left and right. It's up and down. And never in these debates do you have the richest power mongers uh, and held accountable for everything else they create between the manipulation of left and right. And in one an example of that, just look at Bill Clinton. Now, there's, of course, health care, and now a, a war of necessity, bailing out the wealthy while the citizenry falls into greater disrepair, and the myths of clean coal and climate change denialism, and all fabricated by these wealthy forces. Yet here is the paradox that the decay of our civilization may end up being positive. Absolutely. So, so will this, you take us on this, this is journey? This what it's all now? about, Gary. And, and the significance about that is very clear. Science has clearly established, it's, it's a fact, we are facing extinction. We are deep into the sixth mass extinction of life on this planet. The five previous mass extinctions were due to things like comets or asteroids hitting the Earth or uh, global freezing. Uh, but this one, uh, and we're in it right now, science is recognized as totally due to human behavior. And basically says that we are undermining the environment, the way we are living with each other, and the way we are treating the world around us. You've talked about the agriculture, the drug system, all of these things. It's coming to an end. And it has to come to an end because if we don't change now, 
then extinction is in our immediate future. So uh, crisis precipitates this evolution because we come to a choice point. It says you can't do this anymore. What we're being pushed, everything you've talked about, is pushing humanity into a little box because they're getting a, they're quite aware that we are facing this crisis and that the only way the government can understand of how to take care of it is, is really to put everybody under such tight control so that chaos doesn't blow out and, and, and topple the whole thing. And so we are being accustomed to uh, being put in that little box that you said, groping people, uh, feeding them the, the, the toxic foods, all these things, because they knew. In back, as a matter of fact, it was in 1970s, uh, a man by the name of Willis Harmon, who founded the Noetic Science Institute, was working for Stanford's uh, Hoover Institute, a think tank. And he was given uh, money by the government to uh, research what they recognized was going to happen is that when the world got too industrialized, there's going to be too many people because technology is going to eliminate all the jobs. And they say, well, wait, where is this going to come to? And and it was already understood in 1970 what they had to do to avoid the chaos that we're going to experience right now. Well, so the point is this. It's coming to an end because we can't do it this way anymore. We can't have the economy, the politics, the health care, academia has fallen down. The whole thing is coming to an end. And as you said, well, it's scary when you look at it, but the whole wonderful truth is if it doesn't fall, we are in worse situation than I could ever be imagined. And so the falling – I look at Albert Einstein said you cannot solve the problems with the same thinking that created the problems. Well, all the institutions, government, politics, health care, academia, religion, all of these institutions have been the institutions that have created the behavior that is causing our extinction. So as Einstein simply said – these institutions have to fall because if they don't, they're the ones that are driving us into the into the extinction point. So we're being pushed and pushed, and a breaking point, as you talked about, is a necessary thing. And it's funny because remember that movie A Sicko by uh, by Michael Moore. There was an interview with a member of Parliament uh, in London uh, by the name of Tony Benn. And he stated very emphatically that governments do not want a healthy, intelligent population because they're very difficult to control. And then you look at the world that we live in, especially the United States, which has one of the worst health records that exists, and unfortunately becoming the least intelligent population in the world. Uh, it's unfortunate. There was a science uh, survey of uh, countries uh, based on uh, uh, what percentage of population believes in evolution. Forty-three countries in the world were compared. We ranked number 42. Only Turkey had less believers in the theory of evolution than the United States. And, and so we're at the very bottom of this, this pile, and yet it's like it's all playing out. It's all coming to what it's supposed to come to. But the question is, when will the people say that this, this has gone far enough? And we're on the edge. But it, it, the, the good news is, and the bad news, the bad news, civilization as we know is coming to an end. And the good news is civilization as we know it is coming to an end. Because we must get past all this 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 control that's going on, and I stand with you on every everything you said, and uh, understanding that every move is a way of putting us into smaller, smaller boxes, so that we can be contained more easily and controlled more easily, and that this evolution uh, is uh, is whether we break out of that box or not. And, and it doesn't mean we need to survive the evolutionary crisis. This is not the first civilization 
that has come to a crisis point and never made it through. Uh, so we're coming to a choice point, and that's why uh, your your work and the audience out there, very especially the audience, is very important because. When it comes to this choice point, it's up to us. We have to be the participants in this evolution. And many people think, oh, I'll just sit here in the easy chair in the living room and just watch it. And it's like, well, that, that's the worst thing that could ever happen because this is a time of activation. We must reclaim our power. And we're going to get it through an increase in spirituality and understanding of who we are, understanding of nature and harmony and balance and, uh, and returning back to the most natural ways, uh, maybe being forced to because we can't afford anymore the, the health care of that high cost and all that junk. You know, I, I'm all choked up <laughs> because, Gary, uh, you, you hit all the points on the head about the food, the drugs, uh, uh, the, the invasion of our privacy, all these things, and yet it doesn't make it any easier. I'm going to, in, to in just it. a moment. We're going to take a quick station break here in a moment. But then when we come back, I want to focus not on Newtonian physics, not on genetic control of life, not on the survival of the fittest, the concept of random evolution. How should we uh, really understand evolution now based upon more recent science? I want to make it far more pragmatic. I want to take one single example, and here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you when people now go to their doctors, and let's say they have cancer like Michael Douglas or Farrah Fawcett or some well-known ones, uh, Patrick Swayze. They did not opt for the alternative. They opted for 100% orthodox. And yet, if you look at the orthodox treatment, they do not have it in their studies, the science to prove that the therapy they were offering them with absolute certainty of a chance of living was based upon any good science. And yet each year we will bury and toe tag hundreds of thousands of Americans who believe completely in the orthodox view of right. And then that right is supposed to be based upon science. Well, I'm seeing neither science in medicine. I'm not seeing healing in medicine. I'm not seeing care for the patient at the spiritual and, and energy level in medicine. But I am seeing cookbook medicine. I'm seeing official medicine. I'm seeing proprietary medicine. I'm seeing mechanized medicine. I don't see where that's going to help us, and yet we do not yet have a media, a legislature, a medical community, a scientific community, a health community, or legislation willing to challenge how bad it is as if it's the three billion pound gorilla in the room and no one is willing to face or talk about it. I know you will. Dr. Bruce Lipton, back in a moment after the station identification. Back with this, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, could you address my concern about how we as a society have a paradigm that is not rooted in science, it is not rooted in healing, it has been able to see the death and injury of millions of individuals, injury, millions on an annual basis, death of about 700,000, and virtually not a single challenge by the media, journalism, uh, or its own medical community. Wonderful uh, problem, and it's all due to the very basic fact, and this is a fact of humanity, is that 
The medical system is not just inhumane, it's immoral. And I give it just on a foundation of a simple understanding. We call ourselves human beings. We get the concept of the word human from the word humanity, which has a lot of definitions involved about the, the, the good human living on the planet. And one of the most fundamental parts of humanity is a thing called compassion, that it is the nature of humanity to be compassionate, to help others less off than you, and to work with people as best as you can to support the community and keep the health and vitality of the whole organism alive. Well, that is why they call us human beings. And then I say, well, Great. Now let's talk about the medical profession. I go, well, first of all, that's a corporation. And a corporation has one directive. The first directive, I don't care whether that corporation makes ping pong balls, roller skates, or drugs. The corporation's first directive is a profit for the shareholders. Then I go, okay, now wait, let me get this clear. You have a healthcare industry, you make a profit. And I say, well, how do, who do you make a profit from, firstly? Well, firstly, I get it from sick people. <laughs> so I think, oh, my God, uh, they're already sick, and now you hit them <laughs> with something, uh, a bill for their being sick. And, and I say, well, how do you make a profit uh, from healthcare? And, and it comes out very simple. I, I, I charge more than the services I provide, and that's how the, they do it. And I go, well, that's absolutely true. And in a situation, as you're well aware, 60% of bankruptcies in the United States today are due to people just trying to pay medical bills because of a health issue. Uh, the problem is this. It's a corporation. Its interest is to make money. Now, give a simple fact. If I healed you, would I make money? And the answer is absolutely not. I, uh, the whole corporation would end. It would possibly just die right out. And so, interesting fact, the pharmaceutical industry actually does have some very effective drugs, but they're not selling them. They're not, they're not selling them because it undercuts the market of the more ineffective drugs that they do sell. That, uh, the humanity of the situation, the morality of it is, is simplified in this one understanding. When they test a drug and they find the side effects actually include death, you would think, oh, my God, the side effects of these drugs are death. I, I don't think we should, you know, market it. And, but the drug companies look at it, and the first thing they do is a, a mathematical assessment. They say, when we sell the drugs, total gross product sales versus how, many, how much money we might have to pay in lawsuits for, for the death. And they do a calculation. They find if they can make more profit than they have to pay out for the lawsuits, then they market the drug knowing that it's lethal. And the whole point about this, where is morality? There, there is no morality. It's a profit motive. The whole thing is wrong. Healthcare, by definition, should be the first and most uh, primary of nonprofit institutions. There should be no money gained at the expense of health people because just by the nature of saying, are you a human being? And I would say if you charge money for healthcare, then by definition you no longer fit that definition. And, and that's why it's not in our, in our world. And the whole thing has to crash. And, and the issue is it's, it's a part of a corporate world that we live in, and the corporations are the equivalent of dinosaurs, and they're ferocious. They've been eating the world, but there's a shaking of a tree right now, and that's what makes them more aggressive, because even the dinosaurs see the writing on the wall. This thing is coming to an end, and the closer you get to the end, the more control, the more grasp they want on all of us, and the whole idea is we are systematically losing our rights and our powers every day in a final corporate attempt to grab all the proceeds of the world in the end and the evilness of the drug industry and the monsanto industry are, are biblical in proportion i appreciate that answer thank you let me take you into two other areas my second one will be into genetics but my first one is just basic common sense 
but you would think that this common sense would pervade some political dialogue, and it does not. And here is the problem. Up to this point, as we speak today, a little over 5 million American homes have been foreclosed on. There are four people per family. That's 20 million Americans. And yet most of those Americans do not show up on homeless ranks because they have gone to live with relatives. They've had some safety net. I filmed some of these people for a new documentary I'm doing called Poverty, Inc., showing the new poor in America, not the old poor from Appalachia and and, uh, down in Mississippi. I'm talking about people who were college graduates, people who had a good living, people who had some of what they considered a quality of life, and today they do not have that home, they don't frequently have a job. Now, here's my concern. Virtually all the major money that we gave out under TARP and under the other programs have gone to the very people who were instrumental in defrauding by putting out these false uh, your, the value, the, this bubble, creating a bubble. Now, all the people in the bubble uh, creating it knew it was a bubble. They knew that the money they were making was a bubble, and therefore it was in artificially inflating a value. Uh, but they took their money out early. The average person thought, well, our economy is great. My house was, I bought it 100000 It's now 200000 I've got $100,000 in profit. No, when you took out that second loan, you just now gave the bank all of your um, all of your interest in your home. You better hope it keeps going up. Well, it didn't. So when it crashed and millions of Americans lost $6.2 trillion in the equity in their homes, and now I believe that we're going to see between a 15 to 50% drop in the value of homes over the next two years, and now we have over over $100 trillion in underfunded or unfunded entitlements, and we do not have the capacity to support our economy as it is, what do we do? Do we go to help the homeowners? No. Could we? Yes. We could put a moratorium on home foreclosures and repossessions. And we could also put a, a, a executive order on not allowing people, whether it's George Soros on the right or the Koch brothers on uh, on the left, or George Soros uh, on the left and the Koch brothers on the right, to, to profit by manipulating the price of commodities like food, oil, water, things people need. And instead, we continue to give all the bailouts and all the money to the very people who caused the problems, bringing them into Washington to be a part of the policymaking, all the while doing nothing whatsoever to help end the crisis in unemployment, loss of housing, uh, price of food has already gone up 24%. It's likely to go up another 50% based upon the reports I just saw today on food in the United States. So a great deal of pain coming to about a, almost 220 million Americans over the next two to five years. I see America becoming a ghetto. I see America becoming 25% Paris and 75% Calcutta. I see the ghettoization of the suburban areas. Nothing is being done to help that. And yet... And yet, the American public, the very victims of this, are continuing to believe in both the Democrats and Republicans who have both contributed to this. Your thoughts? There's an issue of uh, the mind-controlling biology and our life experiences, and this is what I write about in my books. And the significance about that is there are two minds, the 
conscious mind, the creative mind, the one connected to your spirituality, and the other one is the subconscious programmable habit mind. Uh, we tend to think that we lead our lives with that uh, creative conscious mind with our wishes and desires, but it turns out we operate 95% of our life from the subconscious beliefs. And then I say, well, what's the relevance of that? And I'll give you the, uh, one of the wonderful ones in regard to health. Whatever beliefs you were programmed with before six are the beliefs that will actually manifest in your life. This, this is a not, not a new understanding. Uh, scientifically, there's a new understanding of how it works, but uh, the Jesuits uh, would boast about this 500 years uh, you give me a child until it's six or seven, and it will belong to the church for the rest of its life. What they knew was, if I get your first six years of programming, I don't care what your wishes and desires are. You're still going to be uh, a victim of the program that I provide you. So I say, let's go back and look at some of the two important programs right now. One of them is this. We are innately able to heal ourselves. People were healing themselves a million years before medical school showed up on this planet. And the important understanding about healing is that it's an innate quality. And then I go, well, what does this mean in relation to why we have such a problem? I go, then go back to the average family and go like this. In growing up, uh, in programming the subconscious mind, one of the most important programs that go in is that you are not the expert. There are experts, and there are these other people, and these are the people that their opinions are, are, are truth, and, and you don't know about them. So when they say this, then it becomes your truth. And, and I say, I give, and I love it because it's a funny example when you think about it, is that we have been programmed, although we were innately able to heal ourselves, uh, in the average family, anytime a child gets sick or if somebody's sick in the family, you hear, we've got to take Billy to the doctor, mommy has to go to the doctor. So a child is programmed with what? When they're sick, the first thing they have to do is go to the doctor. So what it says is, I have an ability to heal myself innately. That was given in the biology, but I have a program. And the program says, before you heal yourself, you have to go to the doctor. And it's fun because nobody ever said what the doctor had to do. You just had to go to the doctor. And then what's really funny about this is people recognize when they're sick that they're really sick, but then they make the commitment to go to the doctor. And as soon as they make that commitment to go to the doctor, on the way to the doctor's office or in the doctor's office, all of a sudden they feel so much better. And the reality was because you were able to heal yourself until you put the program in the front that says you don't do this, that you have to go to the doctor. And, and as I said, you just had to go to the doctor. didn't even say the doctor had to do anything. And the healing started again. Basically what it says, the programs in the subconscious override the biology and the life. And then you go back to our programming that we got in schools, the socialization that our government is great, our government supports us, we're number one. That's kind of things that people yell out even in this day and age. Uh, and these are the programs in the subconscious mind. And then now we're talking, okay, so I learned this 40, 50 years ago, and now I'm today looking at the world going on with my conscious mind. Oh, my God, this thing is not right. We have to change this, and I can't go there. And it's like, uh, you know, you mentioned Michael Douglas or Farrah Fawcett. Uh, uh, they're going to the conventional doctor. And they might in their own mind not even believe that that's the best thing, but the program of the subconscious, which controls us, sends them to the doctor because that's the program that operates 95% of the time. And so basically, uh, even though the, we now know that the medical profession has been a great failure, uh, I mean, just look at it. We pay the highest amount of money and have some of the lowest health statistics in the entire world. Uh, basically, people are still have the program to trust the system, not with their conscious mind, with their subconscious mind. So while their conscious minds are out there questioning, you know, we don't want this, we don't like this, subconsciously they're playing into the game. 
And now the first and most important thing to answer your question about regard to the government, when you say we're doing this and we're doing that as if the vision of the program that the U.S. government represents we the people, that was a nice program, but the reality is no, they don't. They represent the corporate interests. And if we happen to still believe that that government and those people that go to Washington are in support of us, we're just operating from that subconscious belief that, oh, yes, this is in support of you. It's like, no, this government is not in support of us. This government is supportive whatever the money goes. And, and if we don't own that as a simple fact, then we're completely lost. And, and, and yet we are almost completely lost. Hmm. Dr. Bruce Lipton, we're running out of time, so I'm going to invite you back for a full hour. I know you couldn't do a full hour today, but would you be willing to come back so we can talk about this even in greater depth? I, I would love to, Gary, because, uh, indeed, this is not a coincidence. The situation we're in is not an accident. This is a, a playing out of a pattern of evolution, that we are indeed on an evolutionary uh, upheaval at this moment. And, and the question is what's going to happen, because the old forces want to keep us back in constraint. But the new okay. vision of, of, our, of our evolution has to have us detach from those old forces. So now you can see we have a problem. Evolutionary people are looking into the future, and the, the conventional people uh, that are running the show want to keep us right here in the, in the present moment of, of the scary moment. So uh, if you know what's going on, knowledge is power, okay. and with that knowledge of what's going on, we are going to be more empowered to take back the control of our lives because that's what our evolution is dependent upon. Dr. We Bruce Lipton, we look forward to having you back within the next week for a full hour talking about healing our minds, healing our bodies, and healing our society using the different mindset than what we have now. Dr. Absolutely. Bruce Lipton is author of The Biology of Belief and Spontaneous Evolution.